0: Um, it's Labor Day weekend, and we're not in a series, and so this was designed to be what we would call in the business um, a standalone series, which mean, or a standalone sermon. It doesn't go to a series. It's not really a part of anything, and so essentially, it's a freebie. You can preach whatever you want, and um, not that anybody's saying, like, hey, you have to do this series. I mean, really, I preach whatever I want. I just put it in a series, but uh, today, it's standalone, and so for those of you that don't know, uh, my father or my grandfather passed away on Thursday. And, uh, and so he, I'll share a little bit about him. So that was Thursday. So of course I had a sermon lined up for this weekend, uh, but then it's also standalone. So I have flexibility. And so over the last few sort of days, I've been trying not to do this sermon (laughs) because it's going to be hard and, uh, you guys always make me cry too much. And so, um, so, you know, trying to put it off, let me just, uh, just do the sermon that I had planned and we'll move forward or whatever. But that's not who we are here. Amen. So start to play with the idea of what it looks like. What does it look like to Like just open my heart and give it to you guys and be really vulnerable and and uh, you came here on a holiday weekend so I think you deserve that. <laughs> not that I don't do that in other weeks but um, so I've always said this to people. I may have even said it to you too. Um, I never got into this to have a really like smooth, slick, religious organization where like I come up here and say the right things and wear the right things and and, and we're real. like it's always been about being very real. Somebody say amen. And I've always actually told you if it gets to the point where everything is like really slick and smooth and organized and institutionalized, then take me out because I don't want to do it anymore. And um, and so I respect excellence and I respect all those kinds of things and that stuff is hugely important. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this is about us being family, and uh, so actually when I get up here, uh, my mindset when I step up here is this is actually a living room, and there's just a lot of people in my living room right now, and because uh, we're family, and I care about you, and, and, and so that's always been my philosophy when I stand up here, and so um, today, uh, you know, some might say, well, you know, he's using the pulpit to, like, talk about his personal life or whatever, and if that offends you, I don't care. <laughs> Because uh, you can find somewhere else to go, because I'm, I'm just going to be uh, doing up here what God is doing in here with me. And so if it wasn't that, you should be scared about that. Um, and so we'll do that for the next 20 or 30 minutes, uh, because, gosh, I was doing so good today. I was like, I'm going to be able to say this whole thing strongly, like without, but I, I haven't even got to my first page. <laughs> I'm killing time right now, because I'm trying not to... So here's the deal. Um, So you'll know in a minute when we get to the end, but like I had the privilege of God being really clear to me. In like a, a time capsule, a moment of my grandpa's last words. We didn't know he was going to pass away. It was sudden, so it wasn't like I was sitting by his bed and he said, "Hey, I want to share these things to you." This was actually about two months ago that he said these things, maybe three months ago, and uh, but it it's huge, and you'll see here in a minute what I'm talking about. So I just remember when he said it, it was this time capsule of like, "Hey, what just happened right there is for your life." Like it was a transfer. You know what I'm saying? And so um, that's why I'm bringing it to you and that's why I'm sharing it to you because really my job is to continue to do that, transfer, you know, whatever God says and transfer and whatever. So uh, before I get into any of it, you need to know that my mom is here. Mom, stand. (laughs) This is my mom and uh, it was her her father. uh, And then of course this is my dad, uh, my mom's husband there. Uh, So so mom is here and pray for her. She's going to navigate through uh, some of that. She's going to navigate through the, uh, the service today as we have a service today. So pray grace to her this afternoon. Um, so here's the deal. We'll jump into it. I believe if I had to title this sermon, I would title it The Power of the Transfer. The Power of the Transfer. Um, my grandpa was 88 years old. Uh, again, he passed away on Thursday. And uh, he was married for 60 years to my grandma. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They had five kids, and, uh, and then together, 12 grandkids, and this is the best part, <laughs> they have 20 great-grandchildren, and uh, my grandma passed away about four years ago, and soon to be 21, there's actually one uh, on the way, and they have two great-great-grandchildren. My grandpa, uh, for 35 years, owned his own elevator company. And so he was entrepreneurial and he owned his own elevator company and then he sold it and continued after the, he owned it for 35 years, he was entrepreneurial and owning his own elevator company and then he sold it uh, and worked for eight years for the company that he sold it to, is that correct, right, that part there, ish, okay, he worked eight more years in the elevator company, uh, in the elevator business. In his lifetime though, aside from being uh, somebody who served and worked hard in that industry, uh, he was a coach, he was an umpire, he was very involved in his community, on school boards, uh, different things like that. Uh, one big thing, uh, my grandma had cancer uh, at different times in her life, and uh, one thing that I always remember is uh, the companion that he was to her, um, just the the little things you see, uh, she would be sick and she would be weak, and, and he would help her into the van, and you know he would buy all these... Gadgets that would go with to help her, and and just all this great stuff, and and he just he literally laid down his life um, to help and to be there, and and, uh, and so it was just really neat to see uh, somebody of that generation serve and be alongside and and love the way that he did, and so I thought about this scripture, Proverbs thirteen twenty two. It says this: It says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And we all hear that and we think, oh, you're talking about money, and that scripture probably means money. But today it means more to me about what you transfer in your inheritance of who you are, your DNA, your makeup, who you're made of, what your values are. A good person leaves back something that can carry on beyond their lifetime. What good is it for you to build a home and a house and get cars and do all these kinds of things? And then after you're gone, There's nothing else to be said about you because it was all about you. Right? Amen? I mean, we we hear all, and I could throw out all the scriptures, but for time's sake, I didn't grab them. But we could talk about how you you don't take it with you and, you know, rust and moth and all these things destroy. But aside from money, what's your inheritance that you're leaving in the next generation? We're going to talk more about the transfer. But my grandpa was so passionate about the things he was a part of that literally uh, in our family... uh, the elevator skills, the skills of elevating, whatever that is, the thing goes up and down, whatever those is down to the third generation. It's a th- we have in our family, third generation elevator workers. Was it because elevating business is the best business to be in? I actually have no idea, but it's, it's because grandpa was passionate about it. And then the next generation caught that because there was power in the transfer of literally just something as simple as that. So we get real caught up in, oh, the power of the transfer, and we think about, you know, it's got to be, we all need to write our own Ten Commandments and hand them down to our kids and whatever. No, I'm talking about the things that you're passionate about. Get, that, get those kinds of things passionate in the next generation underneath you. And there's power in it. And so I'm not saying everybody go out and make your kids underneath you do the same job you do. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying uh, there is something about legacy and, and passing on things that you're pass- passionate about. My grandpa was a part of a church plant in, uh, in uh, I guess, Granville-ish, Jenison area. And he was funny because when we told him we were going to plant this church, he came over to the ho- we came over to the house, and uh, he, was, he, was really, he was really hard about it, you know, because he, he was a part of a church plant. And, uh, and so we're sitting there on the couch, and he's just telling me how hard it's going to be and how, oh, you got a church plant. Oh, if I remember when we were a thing. And it's not that he was negative but he was very like, uh, uh, uh. and and you know that generation, he's 88. And so, you know, very, very just, you know, it's going to be hard and have you thought about this and you thought about this? But in the very next step, he went to his basement and found things that like, hey, why don't you try to sell that and keep the money and give it to the church? Hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? A couple of months ago, he went online and gave us 10 bucks. And I was like, oh, well, that's awesome. But it was awesome because he went online and gave 10 bucks. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and so as much as in our face he would like, challenge and he would be, he would be there and he would and he would push, he would follow that with support. I think that's something that this generation misses. We, we, we escape from the people that ask the hard questions. We, we want to go find the buddy that just encourages you and says, oh, yeah, 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 dude. We need people that can come in and say, hey, ask the tough question, but then follow it with their support. Let me lead you to a place where I can equip you. Somebody say amen. He got the power of the transfer. And one thing that I love about this church is, uh, I guess if I had to brag about the things that I love about this church is, uh, number one, is we're a place for kids. I mean, it's always been our desire is that, you know, we just have kids falling out of everywhere and we do. And, uh, and so I love that. But the second thing that I, I guess I'm the most proud of is uh, we're multi-generational. Typically what happens when you have somebody of my age uh, come up and start a church or do a work, mostly just my age follows. And so you just got a whole bunch of, you know, 25 to 35-year-olds. Uh, but in the very beginning, we talked about how we want a multi-generational atmosphere. We believe that we have something to gain from those ahead of us. And, and, uh, and too often in, in the culture of church, what happens is this generation, a generation will take it to here, and the next generation will come along, and their preferences will be different. And instead of working together, they go their own ways, and they only get to the same level. But if they could work together and stand on each other's shoulder, you can reach higher over time. Somebody say amen. So what I love is that we're doing that here. We can celebrate, you know, all the different age ranges. And and it's part of our strength here is because then we we have connectability to all age ranges. And so um, multi-generation is a huge deal. In Judges chapter two, we all know the story. Moses was leading the people to the promised land. And it says about Joshua, Moses essentially hands the leadership over to Joshua. And then in chapter two of Judges, it says that the generation after Joshua who led him into the promised land, it says just a verse after Joshua dies, it says that the generation followed the Lord no more. So you had this great work you had of the Old Testament. You have Moses and you have Joshua and then you have nothing. You have nothing after that. There's no transfer that took place. And so even though Joshua did amazing things, it only lasted for a season because he didn't know how to transfer that. And I think part of the problem that we find ourselves in as you establish something and you've gone successful in something. The reason it's hard to transfer is because when you've done something and you've built something successful and you have something that you should be transferring and, and, and equipping, what we don't want to do, what, it's, what happens is you, you just want to be right. Instead of, instead of making it about the transfer, instead of saying, hey, let's make sure this thing gets to here, even if it has to adjust and change and flex a little bit, uh, let's make sure that it gets there. We just stand over here stubbornly and we say, I'm right. And I built this and this is mine and and it doesn't transfer. But I believe people that are the most successful at transfer are people that have, have discovered how to be uh, established and flexible and accessible. And my grandpa, man, he, he loved to talk and, uh, I would tell a bunch of jokes about the way he talks, but you wouldn't get it because you've never met him. But uh, yeah, he laughed with his whole body, and uh, so you would like joke, and he would like it, it was, his laugh would start in his shoulders. So he would say something, and he would like all in his shoulders, and that may have just kind of he was a bigger man, but um, I'll never forget that how he laughed like that. But but anyway, Grandpa. I mean, there basically wasn't something that you were or could be a part of that he was a part of. I mean, he was a part of everything. But even in this church planning process or you'd go over there, he'd listen. He'd listen. And he'd listen. And he wouldn't say, well, i am got history and I, I'll tell you this. And he always gave his opinion for sure. But, but he would listen and he would. And I remember even as a teenager, uh, he would come over. And he'd let me share my opinions about sports, about how much I knew. And uh, grandpa was the first person I ever made a sports bet with. Immediately, he was the first person I ever lost a sports bet to. <laughs> but uh, well, a teenager coming over, I didn't know anything about sports. And he'd take the time to listen and banter with me and stuff. Why? Because he realized that transfer was happening. Relationship was happening. He wasn't sitting there trying to be so right. He was being accessible and flexible and investing. Amen. Genesis talks about the two ways that Abraham was chosen by God. It said because he had the ability, if you read Genesis chapter 18, two things sticks out about why God chose Abraham. Number 1 it says that he had the ability to influence his children. He had the ability to transfer what he had. Number 2, he understood that he was blessed to be a blessing. He wasn't a person that was going to say I got this and now I'm going to keep it. He was a guy who said, I got this, and now I need to give it, and now I need to share it, and now I need to transfer it. And it said that if you read in that chapter, it talks about how he had the ability and capability to lead and navigate that into his kids' lives. So God chose him and, and said that he'd be the father of many nations. Why? Because he knew how to give, and he knew how to lead generations beneath him. The most important thing you can do in your life is lead those that are underneath you and around you, and be a blessing. Be somebody who can be a giver. I mean, if we want to make a difference, if we want to have the power of the transfer, you have to think in your mind, in this situation, am I the type of person, am I acting in a way right now that, that I'm navigating this to where I can lead this, who are around me, and, and am, I, am I blessing them? Am I getting blessing to them? And that's how you become the father of many nations. Amen? I love this. The children of Israel were given a dream to go, to go into the promised land. Moses couldn't make it. And then it was Joshua who walked. You know, we know the whole story. And so, and so what happened here about this dream is the promised land was a multi-generational dream. How many of you have a multi-generational dream? Or are we just thinking about how we're going to get it? If, if it's God... And then we've all probably heard these thoughts, but if it's God in your life, whatever God's put in you, it should outlast you. Yeah, right. Whatever God's doing in you, whatever he's speaking to you, whatever he's having established in you, whatever that thing is should be so big that it should outlast you. Somebody say, "Amen." Yeah. multi-generational. So in our lives, if you can explain it, if you can do it on your own, if you can fit it all in a perfect little box, then it's probably not big enough and it's probably not God enough. So in our kids' lives and all these things that we're transferring, if your goal is to just have them in the right school and have them in the right house in the right neighborhood, it's not big enough. Let's dream dreams about our kids influencing others. Let's dream dreams about our communities being transformed because your last name's on a mailbox there. Somebody say amen. So we need things that are bigger than ourselves. I'll close with this. If we can... Yeah, Maddie, come play. I know I'm A little quick on time, but holiday hours. I didn't want overtime. (laughs) I didn't want to pay myself premium time. (laughs) So here's the deal. My grandpa, I believe, whether he did it intentionally or not, I think he understood the value of lifetime. Invested in his community, invested in his family, I think he understood. We, uh, I do this weird thing. I'm just taking a break for myself. Uh, often my nighttime snack with my Jimmy Fallon program, he calls them programs, I call them programs as well, Um because I'm an old man and I like to call him programs. <laughs> and, uh, and he also says Davenport for a couch, Davenport. And, um, and my favorite thing he always says is mom. Oh, your Mum was over here. Did <laughs> that my, that my plants came over here? <laughs> your Mum, your mom said. I said, well, my Mum says a lot of things. Well, what did she say this time? I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, so my go-to snack for Jimmy Fallon uh, is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and all of a sudden randomly I started having like a really good and dill pickle with it you eat the peanut butter and jelly and then you have a a pickle a good sandwich pickle my grandpa had us over and I didn't know any of this my grandpa had us over uh, and we watched some Michigan games and uh, he's the one who started us down the righteous path of Michigan Wolverine fandom and um, and and I'm not, so and so, this is true. He passed away on Thursday, which makes me nervous about the Harbaugh era now. I'm like, Grandpa, did you see something I don't know about? You don't want to take this, or anyway. So anyway, we're watching the game, and some of the cousins and my brother and stuff, and we're watching the game with Grandpa. And uh, he says, Hey, you want to order Jimmy John's? And which is just awesome that Grandpa wanted to order Jimmy John's. But uh, so we order up the subs, and he's like yelling, like, Hey, don't forget to get me a pickle. <laughs> like. <laughs> He was so serious about that pickle. And, uh, and then the best part when we were there, uh, he says, got this pickle and he says, uh, did, have you guys ever had one of their pickles? And we're kind of like, no. You want to try it? Like, Grandpa, we're not going to pass around a pickle and eat it. Just finish your pickle. But it was a couple weeks later, he bought us all these footballs because he understood like the value in that moment, in the lifetime. So it was like these Michigan footballs. It's like a big deal? No. But it was a transfer to me. It was something that was important to me. It, he understood the value of of me in the moment. It's huge. So uh, Charlie was born uh, about five months ago. So we called him up and said, hey, we're going to come over. Can we spend the afternoon? And, uh. So we go over there, and, uh, and we have Charlie, and, and uh, we hang out for the afternoon, and uh, he had one of those, uh, he was pretty good health, and, uh, and just remembered, really, just, it was a great conversation, but he had this walker, anyway, and, uh, and he was funny, because he has this cat uh, that he loves, but it was funny, because the whole time he was married to Grandma, he blamed all the cats on her, like Grandma and her cats, <laughs> Grandma's been gone for four years, and there's still a lot of cat stuff going on there, but anyway... So he's got this cart, and uh, and we're leaving, and we're talking, and we you know we visit, and uh, we're walking out, and he's in a condo, and uh, and there's a screen that faces his driveway, and then of course the door you know that closes to the screen, and uh, we load up the car, and like we say goodbye, and he goes, uh, you know we're we're leaving, we got our shoes on everything, we say goodbye, he goes hey. He goes, uh, don't you know? He's over by the door. And he goes, hey, don't close the don't close the big door. He goes, lately, recently, I've really been enjoying watching my guests leave, Just watching you drive away. That was his last words to me. <laughs> and what I'm terrible at is pasting myself. Obviously a lot of plates spinning <laughs> for me. <laughs> I left. and said to Jess, I was like, what a weird old man. That's <laughs> so what I said, no, I just I didn't say that. Yes, she did. Wanted to watch me drive away, with this cat on his lap. Probably going to get a pickle But I said, "Yeah." I just in my mind, that was the capsule. I knew, like that was a significant transfer to me. So his last words, maybe unintentionally, probably the best words I could hear at 32, almost 33 years old. Slow the heck down and watch a few more people leave, right? Somebody say amen. We're so quick to get on to the next thing in this generation. We need to slow the heck down and watch a few more people leave. Savor the moment of who you have in your life. I'm not trying to get up here and and give you the, the whole grandpa service, but that's where I'm at right now, is who do you have to bury the hatchet with? Who do you need to slow down and spend a little more eye time with? Because you don't know. But we have investments to make in people, and we have investments to receive from people. And if we're going too fast, we're going to drop the transfer. Somebody say amen. God said this about David. God said, David, that's my guy. He's got my heart. That's my boy, David. But if you look at David's life, sexually impure, killed people, made lots of mistakes, how can that be your guy? But here's what it is. All throughout the stories of David, you could see he was the most engaged in every moment. They said when he showed up to, you know, he was bringing lunch to uh, his brothers who were in battle and and Goliath shows up. And so instead of being like, hey guys, here's your stuff. I'm leaving. He notices what's happening. And one writer said about the account of him being there, it said that he was irritated. He was almost irritated that nobody was doing anything about it. Why? Because he was a guy who understood the power of the moment and being invested and not being too quick to leave and move on to the next thing. He took a little time to notice his surroundings. The scripture says about when he was leaving his friend Jonathan, the writer goes out of the way to point out that David wept more; he cried more than Jonathan. Why? Because David was 100% invested in the moment, in the surrounding. Essentially, he took the time to watch his guests leave. They said about him dancing; you know, he danced on the streets naked, and everyone's like, "Oh, what? What he danced the most is what he did. He was all in. What did he do? He took the time to watch his guests leave." there's a story of Jesus. You've heard me say this before. All throughout scripture, when they describe Jesus, they continue to say, they go out of their way to to make this statement that he was on his way to Jerusalem, then on his way to Jerusalem, and then on his way to Jerusalem, then on his way to Jerusalem. Why? Because that was his eventual destiny, was to go to Jerusalem and to be brought in and go to the cross and all that kind of stuff. But throughout the whole thing, he he knew where he was going his eyes were on what he needed to be focused on there's actually a story that says one night he's doing all these miracles he's healing people he's doing all these things and then they go to sleep and the next day they say oh great news jesus there's all these people that are coming from other towns and they want healing and they heard what you did and jesus actually goes well that's too bad because i need to be on my way to jerusalem he essentially turns his back on all these other needs and all these things and you go what's this guy about he's What he was about was the main thing. Keeping his eyes on his moment and what God has called him to and being focused and present. Now, did they get left behind? No, I believe all those people who came uh, one way or another through the disciples or whatever had their need met. But Jesus was very good and David was very good at being, hey, what is my moment? What am I in? What does it look like for my kids, my job, my church, my community, my resources? What does it look like for me to be focused on what God has called me to? And how do I make sure I'm present enough to even enjoy guest leaving? So quick to not be onto the next thing. I want to be a finisher of my moment. Somebody say amen. Won't you stand? kids specifically need to see what you're passionate about in the things of God because they notice the things that you're passionate about in the world yesterday I helped a friend lay some sod, some grass down in his yard and and I came home and I was dirty, you know, I carried it on my shoulders and so I had black dirt all over me but months before I had taken Caroline out with me to the yard to help me plant grass seed and of course I made it a big deal with her like, Caroline You have to help me. You got to help me grow this grass. And she would put the seeds in there and I'd be like, oh, you did so good. And so as the grass grew, I would go over there and I'd say, oh, look, you did it. You're so good at growing grass. Look at this. It's doing this thing. So yesterday when I came home, I I made that such a valuable moment for us, her and I. She caught my passion in it, and, and she, she caught my affirmation and that I made that a big deal in her life. So yesterday, when I came home dirty, and she asked what I did, I said, like, well, I was you know, helping. Uh, we put down some grass. And she was like, we put down grass? Like, I cheated on her. Because <laughs> it was our thing. She was like, well, Daddy, we put down grass. And even later in the day, she had to take me to the grass that we had grown. See, Dad? Look, we did so good here, growing this grass. Didn't we do that? We planted that. Yeah. And so they catch like our natural stuff. But we need to invest that much energy and that much passion to make sure they're catching the transfer of your values, your generosity, your forgiveness, your compassion, all the things that we walk in as Christ followers. Make sure they see those things. Somebody say amen. I'm just gonna pray us out of here. But I want this to be the transfer to you. Is that we sort of live in this way. That we watch our guests leave. That we own the moment. We're not quick to be on the next thing. It's not about us and our next thing. It's about us. We need far less selfies. Much more, I was going to say groupies, but I don't know how that sounds. (laughs) But you know what I mean. We got to get in this thing and we got to start to transfer because it's, it's more than just us. I don't want it to be said about us that a generation later they followed no more. I want this to go on and on. I want it to be about like Abraham. We're chosen because we know how to bless others and we know how to lead it in other generations. Amen? Raise your hands to your side. I just believe as we pray, God will instill this in us. God, we're, we love you so much. We're so grateful and so thankful that you believe in us. To be your body here on earth. We're your hands and feet. God, we're your mouthpiece. Lord, I thank you that you're speaking through us, leading through us. But God, we we don't want to be too fast to miss the moments. God, we we want what is our Jerusalem to be the most important things in our life. We don't want distractions, we want all of our choices and filters and everything to run through is this the most important? God, help us to to dream bigger than just one generation. God, we wanna be able to transfer what you've done here and in us to others and to others. We wanna leave, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. God, we don't want it to be about us. We want it to be about you through us. Do that in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, everybody say amen.